1 Samuel, chapters 26 through 31, we've been going through uh, this book together, and we've made a commitment over the last couple of years that uh, all of the stats show that folks that, that are followers of Christ, even that consider themselves followers of Christ in the United States, don't have a very good knowledge of the Word of God. So we've committed over the last couple of years to spend time going, reading through <clears throat> different books in the Bible, and we've, we've been going through 1 Samuel to, together. We're going to finish it up this morning, so let me take just a minute to review uh, the main highlights that we've seen. I won't take but just a second doing this, but 1 Samuel focuses mainly on <clears throat> three lives, lives of three men. Samuel, who was the last judge of Israel, and then Saul, who was the first king of Israel, and then David, and he's called the man after God's own heart, and he was in the lineage of Jesus. So Samuel was a man of God, a man of character, and a man of influence that God used to give direction to his people. <clears throat> but like um, all of us, if the Lord tarries, Samuel got old. <laughs> and as he, <clears throat> as he got old, the people decided that they wanted a king, they wanted to be like all the other nations and have a king to lead them instead of the way God had been leading his people through judges and men of God up until, up until that point. <clears throat> and it upset Samuel, but God gave them what they wanted. And so he installed and prayed, installed Saul as the first king. And any time the motivation to be more like the world instead of influencing the world, it will always lead you down the wrong direction. It's important that we as people of God desire to be more like him and be influenced by God in our lives and us influence the world instead of us trying to be more like the world, because if we're wanting to be more like the world, we're letting the world influence our lives instead of us making a difference in the world. And it will always lead us down the wrong direction. But God told Samuel to go ahead and give the people what they wanted, and they installed Saul as the first king. And Saul started off strong, but in a short period of time, he had some colossal failures because of his insecurities and his fears and his self-centeredness. And again, anytime we start focusing more inward than upward, it creates issues in our lives, and we make some really bad decisions in that way. So at that point, Samuel <coughs> anointed David to be king after Saul. 
But that didn't become an actuality for several years. In fact, it was between 10 and 15 years from the time that, that Samuel anointed David to be the next king until he actually stepped into that role. Have you ever thought something was going to happen, but it didn't? Are you, are you were promised something, but the fulfillment of that promise took way longer than you thought that it would take? I mean, you can say yes. I mean, help me out up here. I'm, <clears throat> my voice is already struggling. Y'all going to leave me hanging up here. Don't be a hard crowd on me today now. <laughs> That's what happened to David. He had, been, he had been anointed and he had been promised to be the next king, and yet for the majority of that 15 years, at least 10 of those 15 years, he was on the run because Saul was trying to kill him. And he became, he became discouraged. And it takes, you can follow along in your notes if you'd like, it takes both faith and patience to receive what God has promised. And yet, David at this point seemed, or the passages that we're going to be looking at today, seemed to start wavering in both of these. Both his faith and his patience began to waver. Let's read 1 Samuel 27, starting with verse 1. But David thought to himself, that's a big deal right there. The other times he had been, you see that he would seek God. And now he's thinking to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing that I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. And David and his men settled in Gath with Achish. Each man had his family with him, and David had his two wives Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail of Carmel, the widow of Nabal. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. And then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? perspective matters a whole lot. I'll just stay with my notes since my voice, but viewing our circumstances from God's perspective leads to faith, courage, and strength to overcome whatever circumstances we may be in. 
viewing our circumstances from only our perspective leads to discouragement and despair. God's circum, our circumstances from God's perspective leads to faith, courage, and strength. But viewing our circumstances from our, only from our perspective always will end up leading to discouragement and despair because our circumstances become bigger <clears throat> than our faith whenever we're looking at only our problems. Because in this life, we experience some big problems, some problems that are bigger than we are. And it makes a huge difference. This, this iPad, and I've used this illustration before, but <clears throat> not with an iPad, with a coin, but I don't have a coin, so will this stay with this? This is a whole lot smaller than the sun. We agree? Let's, let's just think about this iPad being our problems. If we, if we focus on our problems, it can actually block out the sun even though it's no comparison in size. But if we focus on our problems, it blocks out the bigness of God and it brings discouragement and despair in our lives where we don't want to ignore our problems, but we want to focus on God and glance at our problems because at that point, our problems are always way smaller than our God. And David got to the place to where he was, instead of, instead of focusing on God and seeking God's direction for his, for his circumstances, he started just thinking within himself. So he's focusing on his problems instead of focusing on God, <clears throat> which caused him to stop thinking about how God had consistently and sometimes supernaturally, miraculously protected him whenever, whenever Saul would come against him and try to, try to kill him. <clears throat> he ends up in a, in a cave <laughs> whenever, whenever Saul was looking for him and gave him an opportunity to say, Hey, Saul, I could have killed you while you were in there using the restroom. And then he would just, in, the, in chapter 26, he had just gone and again had, had spared Saul's life whenever Saul was coming after him. But instead of thanking God for how God had protected him, he started thinking within himself, eventually Saul's going to kill him instead of saying, God, I thank you that you are going to protect me for the rest of my life. You have given me a promise you have promised me that I will be the next king, and so therefore I will be the next king. Anytime we lower our view of our circumstances to only our thoughts and our feelings, it will lead to discouragement and despair. And discouragement and despair are tools, they're tools that the enemy uses 
<coughs> consistently the enemy will use discouragement and despair and he and it will he uses them for different things let me just give you three he'll use discouragement and despair to get us off track David didn't seek God's direction. He thought to himself, and his best thoughts during his time of discouragement and despair was to escape to the land of the Philistines. Do you remember who the Philistines were? That's where Goliath came from. Discouragement and despair are tools that the enemy uses next to take others off track with us, and whether you realize it or not, or whether you want to or not, you are always influencing others in the right or the wrong direction. People are watching your life. And David led his family, the 600 guys that were following him, as well as their families into the enemy's territory. Discouragement and despair, not only those two, but discouragement and despair are tools that the enemy will use to make us servants of the enemy or at least start seeing ourselves as servants of the enemy. In the midst of his discouragement and despair, David starts identifying himself as a servant of those he once called out as uncircumcised Philistines. And he stood against them. <clears throat> and yet now, David is about to spend about 16 months in the enemy's territory. That's 16 months. Months out of the will of God doing things he never thought he would do because discouragement and despair will get you off track. And instead of calling himself a servant of God at this point, he's calling himself in that one verse, why would your servant, whenever we stop focusing on who God is and seeking his direction, all of a sudden we start thinking that we're powerless against the enemy. How do you protect yourself from discouragement and despair? Let me just give you one passage quickly to help with that. Hebrews chapter 12 says this in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's the answer. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God does not want you walking in despair and discouragement. He wants you to fix your eyes on him, and whenever you do, he will build your faith to walk with endurance 
through every circumstance so that he can fulfill his promise in your life. We fix our eyes on him. We look upward instead of constantly looking at the problems. All right. I like what Corey Ten Boom said. <clears throat> I won't explain who she was except to say she lived through the Holocaust. So she had opportunity to despair and to be discouraged. She said, look within and you'll be depressed. Look without and you'll be distressed. Look at Jesus and you'll be at rest. Isn't that good? Praise God. The longer you stay off track, following along in your notes, the longer you stay off track, you'll find yourself wanting to fight for what you used to fight against. The longer you stay off track, the longer you live in despair and discouragement that leads you to start down the wrong way, you'll find yourself wanting to fight for what you used to fight against. Look at chapter 29, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> the Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, and Israel camped by the spring in Jezreel. And as the Philistine rulers marched with their units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish. So here are David, here is David, here are David and his men following and going to fight against whom they used to fight for. They were going to fight against God's people, the people of Israel. And fighting with the Philistines who David started his public, what will they say, his public ministry killing Goliath. If you're not careful, if you don't make your turn, you'll start fighting for what you used to fight against. David lined up with his men to fight with the Philistines against Israel. <clears throat> the awesome thing about God is by God's sovereignty, the commanders of the Philistine army convinced Achish, hey, we're not, we're not going to go over there with David and his guys fighting. David killed Goliath. Don't you remember they used to sing songs? The ladies used to sing songs all over the place that Saul kills his thousands, but this guy kills the tens of thousands. We don't trust him. And so Achis sent him home. God's sovereignty. God help us to have people praying for us whenever we're getting off track to where the sovereignty of God would come and get us back on track. Look at David's reply whenever Achish told him that, though. Verse 8. But what have I done, asked David? What have you found against... Again, look at, look at how he identifies himself. 
What have you found against your servant from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king? The longer you stay off track, you'll find yourself fighting for what you used to fight against. The longer you stay off track, you'll find yourself fighting more battles than, you, than what were necessary. Whenever David and his men went back, Seth Young, come on back. Look at chapter 30, starting verse 1. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. This is whenever they were, after they were sent home. <clears throat> the Amalekites had raided Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. Verse 3. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. That never should have ever happened. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left. And David's two wives had been captured. The awesome thing about God <clears throat> is that even whenever we find ourselves in battles that are from bad decisions from us being off track, let's go to the next note. God will help us win battles that were a result of our own bad decisions when we will sincerely seek to live according to God's perspective again. God will help us win battles that were, re that were a result of our own bad decisions when we will sincerely seek to live according to God's perspective again. In other words, all we have to do if we're off track is turn back to Him. He desires for you to win all of your battles, whether it's battles that were not your fault, like Saul coming against David, or whether it's battles because you've been off track and you've, you've caused the battle that you're in the middle of. It's awesome that God loves us so much that He's always for us. Look at what happened. Verse 6 of chapter 30. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. In other words... They were, it happens all the time. They were started blaming David for getting them to the place where they shouldn't have been. And David, if it would be like 
I might have been, you're grown men. Y'all can make your own decisions. You just chose yourself to follow me. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. The ones who used to sing his accolades wanted to stone him. And each one was bitter to spirit because of his sons and his daughters. But David found strength in the Lord. All of the sudden, instead of looking at himself, he started looking up again. And he found strength. Another translation says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you find yourself, whenever nobody else can understand the situation that you may be in, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord because God can take care of and encourage you even if nobody else can understand the situation that you're in. So David inquired, well, greatly distressed, found strength in the Lord. Verse 7, then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought, brought it to him. We could talk about the ephod, but we'll keep on moving. Verse 8, and David inquired of the Lord. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he said. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Skip down to verse 17. They went. It's an awesome story. If you haven't read it, you need to read the entire thing because the sovereignty of God, again, miraculously showed them where their people, where their families were. Verse 17, so they get there, and David fought them from dusk until the, until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except for 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Verse 18, David recovered everything that Amalekites, Am, Am, sorry, easy for you to say, had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the, of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. So whenever we, no matter how off track we may have gotten, no matter what it seems like the enemy is taken away from you whenever we will humble ourselves and begin again to inquire of the Lord. God will restore back to you what you've lost and more. Praise God. So Lord, right now, again, I pray for every person in this room as well as those online. <laughs> There may be some here that have been off track looking within instead of looking without and they may be in the middle of discouragement and despair. I pray right now as we worship you and lift you up, I pray they would begin to look up again and you would build their faith and that you would bring healing and help and provision 
in their lives. And if there's any here that have not, they've been on the enemy's side the whole time. They've never come over to God's side. I pray right now, God, that they would, you would speak to their hearts, that you would draw them by your spirit and let them see that you're for them and not against them. Let them know that they don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. All they have to say is, Lord, I surrender all to you, everything that I am. I thank you that you paid the price to take away my guilt and my shame and my sin. Now I make you Lord of my life. And I ask you to empower me to live the life that you have for me. Let it be so, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand.